This is Rob Stein, and welcome to the Impossible to Fail podcast. I'm a multi-business-owning entrepreneur that has cracked the code to launching careers to massive success. Over the past 20 years, I've developed a life-changing process that has allowed me to achieve a level of wealth and financial freedom that I previously thought was only possible for the select few. These principles are universal for any industry, and I've personally applied this process to transition from a teacher with a master's degree to an award-winning music composer and publisher, championship-level bodybuilder, top-producing real estate agent and team leader, and entrepreneurial coach. If you want to achieve the financial success and time freedom that you deserve, you simply need to make it impossible to fail. Welcome to another episode of the Impossible to Fail podcast. My guest today, diving right in, is Mr. Paul David Thompson. And Paul and I are both in the real estate space. He's an expert in a different area in terms of investing and coaching investors. And we're going to dive right in because we were having a pretty cool conversation right before we got started on the grind and <laughs> how, uh, how it can be a little romanticized a little bit, but... When you look behind the curtain, sometimes it's not quite what you expect. Now, the really cool thing about Paul is he's just a classic entrepreneur story of someone that got into it in 2015. He used to be in the corporate world, decided to get into real estate within his first year and a half, got 20 deals under his belt. So I definitely want to know how that happened. I'm sure there was some coaching and education involved. Fast yeah. forward years later, you know, he's applied himself and now he's serving as a lot of successful people do. They serve others and he's here to serve our community to teach us how we can take control of our, our destiny, of our freedom and of our finances. So, Paul, welcome, buddy. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, man. So let's start at the transition. We're going to dive right in with the transition because, I mean, I transitioned to real estate from being a middle school teacher. Right. Mm, and wow. I think most entrepreneurs, which is our audience, didn't start as an entrepreneur. Most entrepreneurs started in the corporate world like you were in a salaried position and decided for some reason that that's not good enough. They want more control of time or finances or usually both. So what mm -hmm. were you doing in the corporate world and what made you want to get out of it? Well, I was working at a, you know, a not so bad job. I worked at a Fortune 500 company. I was a, a trained engineer. I'd worked my way up through middle management, and I was making a you know six uh, you know more than six figure salary. I mean, I was making a good living, especially for where I live here in Arkansas. It's a very low cost of living. I was mm -hmm. doing pretty well as from outside in, but man, that job was like was was wearing me out, and it just did not create freedom or opportunity for me like I hoped and always kind of dreamed of. Yeah. And so my kind of big wake up call was that I was helping somebody else build their dream instead of building my own dream. Yeah. That's a big one for a lot of entrepreneurs I think is I'm going to be working so hard. I may as well do it for myself. Yeah. Yeah. What's the old saying that you'll work, um, uh, uh, you know, half, uh, half of every day, 12 hours of every day, just to, so you have to work with somebody else. And it's absolutely the case. And it's, it, it can be extremely rewarding to think of something, conjure up something in your mind, some ideal lifestyle mm -hmm. that you want to live or some sort of thing that you're just really passionate about. You know, it's like, I just want to manifest this out into the world and I want to like, create this thing. And it takes a lot of personal courage to push through the fear, doubt, and uncertainty that is just natural with doing any sort of endeavor like that. 
Yeah, it absolutely does. The, the fear of uncertainty, the fear of the unknown, the fear of imperfection, the fear of judgment of others. Hmm. That those are all just huge things that get people so stuck on doing anything. Most people just don't start because they're yeah. stuck in the analysis paralysis stage of feeling like they have to know everything. <laughs> that's There's never, ever a perfect time ever. Yep. So what was it? Was there like a final, like a final straw or an event or what, what was the point, the pivotal point for you where you were, where you said, I'm doing this, I'm making yep. this transition. I definitely had a moment and that moment was, on a, a beach vacation that I had. And a lot of times when you get out of your routine and you're on a vacation or you're having a long weekend and you're away with the family, you, you get this kind of inspiration. You get this kind of different perspective of the world. That's why mm -hmm. traveling I think is so powerful for people. Mm -hmm. And I got out of my routine and I didn't want to go back to it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to extend a vacation. And so I called my boss up and I said, I've been working here for, for years. I'm going to take another week. He's like, no, get, get your ass back to work. Yeah. What, are you, what are you talking about? I mean, it wasn't even a conversation. It wasn't even, oh, like, you know, what's going on with you? Like, you know, you've been a big, big performer. Let's, you know, what's up? It was just like, no, like, you don't get two weeks off in a row. Get back to work. Wow. Uh, and I was just pissed about it. And like that, and I was so irritated at the time, but it was the best thing ever for me because it, it became just not bad enough anymore. Like, you know, most yeah. of the time we don't make any changes because right. it's not that bad. Right. And you, you need some sort of wake up call. You need some sort of a transition away from, uh, that it's so bad that I can't tolerate it anymore. Mm -hmm. And that was the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. And then I had to start figuring out what, what it was. I, I went searching for, for answers yep. and it took me a while to, to uh, a little bit to figure out that it was real estate. And I thought, well, this is something that I can buy a single family property and just see if I like it. Mm -hmm. And I bought one and I was like, I got that first rent check and I was hooked. I was, <laughs> I, I was hooked. It's yeah. like, oh, like somebody else just went to work and paid their rent. And now, now I have more of the people working for me now, right? Like, yeah, it wasn't right. just me. Like I was a single in income family. Like my yeah. wife stays at home with, with the kids. It's like, now we have a couple of people working for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, it's an amazing thing investing in real estate, right? Someone else, it, yeah. it's a win-win. Someone else needs housing. Yeah. They can't or don't want to buy a house. You provide them a house. They pay the mortgage for you. You mm -hmm. get paid for the service. It's awesome. It's a real win-win. And, you know, a lot of people, I think folks that are not entrepreneurs or business owners, not that everyone needs to be, the world needs a lot of people that aren't entrepreneurs to function. Sure, sure. I know my political, so many things about my mindset from political perspective to the way I perceive things and the way I act on things have changed since I went to, you know, from being a teacher to being mm. a multiple business owner. Yep. And it's easy to imagine on you know, landlords as the, you know, these, these guys and gals sitting on like golden thrones with someone peeling <laughs> grapes in their yeah. mouth and being like, pay my rent or be gone with you. You know, but yep. the reality is like, we're all people, we're normal people trying to pay the bills. You know, my father owns an extensive real estate portfolio you know, he does well. He's, he's not a millionaire, but you know, he, he does well and he, he, he's retired now and he lives off of the income from his real estate portfolio. And when COVID happened and people couldn't pay the rent 
and they got forbearances, like, awesome. What about the people that own the houses? Yep. My dad still has a mortgage payment and taxes to pay. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't, th- don't think they about don't think that. think about that little detail. No, no, yeah. no. <laughs> uh, but real estate investing really can be a fantastic vehicle. What was it? You said, you know, it took me a while mm-hmm. to to figure out it was real estate. And there are so many people that want to invest in real estate and just never buy the first one. You were like, once I got the first one, I was hooked. Let's talk for a moment about how monumental it was that you got the first, (laughs) that you just got the first one. So like, what was, what was that like? What, what, what type of, did you get that first one while you were still in your corporate job? I was. was Yeah. 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 Starting on an insurance agency or something. And everything that I looked into, I just couldn't help but feel like I was just going to buy myself another job. Mm. And I, I really, really wanted to create passive income or a residual income, income that was created when I was asleep. Mm-hmm. And if, but if I had to exchange my time for money anymore, it would just be a different job I was doing that for. It just happened to right. be, I happened to be the boss. Right. You know, but it's still, it's still, I think a lot of people who, call themselves entrepreneurs aren't actually entrepreneurs. They're just self-employed. Mm. And I think that's a really important wow. distinction. When you first start, you have to be self-employed, right? Or you, or you, or you have yeah. to be a business owner that the business falls apart that if you're not there. That's how, that's, that's how you start. Yes. But all of us as entrepreneurs should be building towards business and processes that such that you could walk away for three to six months and the business still runs. Mm-hmm. That's being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so I, when I was looking towards what I was going to build, I wanted to create something like that. I know so many people who own real estate. Um, I mean, really smart people. And they just cannot let go of of being their own landlord. Like they can't hire yeah. property management. I was like, well, then right. like you, how, how can you disappear for what happens if, if you get hurt? What happens yeah. if you're infirmed in for a while? You know, like if, right. if who's going to collect rent if you're not there? <laughs> Yeah, that's not a system. Don't you want to go on vacation and not (laughs) have tenants calling you or something? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, you know, when people become business owners, entrepreneurs, same thing when I coach real estate agents and you ask them, why do you want to do this? It's always, you know, financial freedom, control of my time. I want to spend my time the way I want to. Everybody wants to do that. Very admirable and noble goals. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think there's everything right about it to take ownership of that. But oftentimes, Michael Gerber talks about this a lot in the E-Myth. Have you read, mm-hmm. have you, have you read that one? Oh, yeah. Uh, classic. But he talks about the fact that most business owners are not started by entrepreneurs. They're started by technicians or experts. Someone that yep. says, I have a passion or skill set in this thing, so I'm going to start a business doing this thing. A lot of the entrepreneurs I coach are, in, are those kind of self-starters that are bootstrapping it right now. And one of the reasons it takes them so long, way longer than it should, to reach the point of consistent sustainable income is because they're not thinking like a business owner. They're not thinking objectively. They're thinking as the perspective of the person who is doing the work that is exchanging time for money, not as the person that says, how can I exchange money for time? Mm -hmm. And And when you flip it and you ask that question, that's when you really lead to owning a business, which by definition, like should be able to survive without you being active in it. Right. So what was the point for you where, cause you said you did 20 deals 
mm-hmm. in your first 18 months. Now, how did you do that? Like, was I mean, um, there there must have been some type of coaching or education or mentorship, right? Great question. So I'm big on paying, exchanging time, yeah, uh, or exchanging money for time. And if you exchange money for time, what you're doing is you're you're fast tracking your progress. Yeah. Uh, could I have learned everything on my own? Sure. Could I have done it faster by paying somebody else who was better at it? <laughs> Absolutely. That's what I did. Right. And cool story. So. What I did, you know, you go to bigger pockets, you go to all these forums and they say, find a mentor, find a mentor. Sure. And like, it's like saying find a mentor is the same way as like people saying, go consult your doctor. You, it's just like, that's not like, we all know that, but it's hard to actually go consult right. your doctor about every little tiny little detail because yeah. they don't just pick up and ask the phone. Um, so finding a mentor is the same way. It's like, there, there's more to it than just that. Like, like yeah. w- what does it take to do that? So what I did is I went on an internet search in my area and I found somebody who had a website that looked kind of cool and looked like they knew what they were doing. And they were about an hour away from where I live. So they weren't like necessarily a competi- competition, but they were in the same business that I was considering doing. And I sent them an email saying, Hey, I'm, you know, in the business or I'm in the business world and I'm looking to get into real estate. I'm looking, I'm, I'm willing to exchange time or money or help you in your business. However I can to learn the business. Would you be open to helping me? And it took him about two weeks, but he ended up calling me back and he says, I won't charge you anything, but I will help you. And here's what I'm going to do. And he said, he says, you need to go buy this book, the richest man in Babylon, the physical book. I want you to read it, highlight it, underline it. And, and then, write a three page handwritten essay and mail the book that's been edited and marked up and the, and the essay to me at my PO box. Mm. That's the only way he would, uh, that was his way of vetting people to see if they would actually be willing to do the work. That's awesome. Isn't it? It's like that's a, a, awesome. It's <laughs> like a, a Mr. Miyagi moment. Yeah, like, Cause like you're only going to get someone off. that's real. Everyone's like, Oh, well you mentor me. Right. But, yeah. to, but to, to be willing to do that, so the person that does that and sends those materials to you, that's a serious yeah, person. Exactly. And I think he says only like two or three people in all the time that he's been in business. Uh, you know, I think he's probably 20 years older than me mm-hmm. and he's been doing the business since he was in his twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, only like three, two or three people in his history have actually done it. Mm-hmm. And I was one of them. Um, and over time, over the next year and a half or so, I probably wrote, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten essays uh, like that. And I, I, along the way I asked him, I was like, so, you know, you know, can I just send you this essay now? Can I just type it up? He's like, oh no, I want it handwritten. Hmm. He was like, that's part of the test. Like, I'm not making it easy on you now. And you know, like if you don't think about it, but we don't write that much anymore. And writing a a three page handwritten essay, like my hand was all cramped up and I was, I was like, why am I doing this? But I was like, it's his way. Okay. It's his way. Um, and, and what he really gave me was, a little bit of insight about the business. And he said, here are these people you need, you need to go learn from. Uh, they are these um, grand old men of real estate that have been doing it since the 70s. Uh, they do all this creative real estate they, and they do these conferences on the weekends and they're like three, 400 bucks and there's no big sales pitch at the back of the room. It is just like the, the, like the real conference that you need to go to. Yeah. And so I went to like, I don't know, I don't know, 10, 12 of those things over about uh, a year and a half. And I, I feel like I got a master's degree mm. in the real estate. And I, to this day, I still fall back on like, oh yeah, I remember no, Dyke Spotiford said that. I remember Pete Fortunato said that. Mm. Um, and I still, it still influences the way I think sometimes. Um, and 
that was what it was it allowed me to get the confidence to be able to buy a property. Like, okay, I see I see the check come in. I've confirmed some things that they've said. Now let's buy the next one. And I buy the next one. I bought the next one. And it just keep kept building. And it's funny to say it, but um, looking back on it, that wasn't that crazy of a strategy because all I was doing was buying properties for, you know, about $50,000. I mean, this is um, central Arkansas, mm -hmm. low cost of living. Uh, these houses aren't $200,000 houses. And they would rent for seven fifty. The numbers were, were like the cash flow numbers were amazing. And I was doing what they call the Burr method where you buy and then refi mm -hmm. out. Um, and so I was rolling a few thousand dollars over and over again. And at the end of it, I had 18, 20 properties with, you know, with cash flow and $10,000 net money left in those properties during that time. This was in 2015 where it was a little easier to buy things mm -hmm. and the interest rates were still very competitive. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but at the time you would have, a lot of people would have said, it, it, we're at the peak, like, like it's about to crash. And people said that for from 2015 all the way till even today, people are saying it's going to crash and maybe it will, but, um, I don't believe in timing the market. I believe in time in the market. Oh, that's a good one. You're hundred percent right about that. So you took money and invested in education. Mm -hmm. That's so crucial. So many people in, especially in real estate, <laughs> watch like HGTV and are yeah. like, I'm going to go flip a house. Mm -hmm. And it never, never works out. I've gotten a lot of calls from our off market. Uh, my father and I are off market mailings where someone wants to sell us a house that they bought, that they spent too much money on that yep. they blew all their rehab money and now mm -hmm. they're underwater happens all the time. So, sure does. you know, one of my first real estate investor coaches said real estate has two speeds, forward, fast moving, reversed, fast moving. <laughs> so <laughs> That's if, funny. If you want to do forward, hopefully, you know, you got to get educated. So what got you to the point? When was it that you said, all right, now it's time to serve. Now it's time to help teach others how to do this? Good, good question. So, um, something about my personality is I've, the way I learn or reinforce what I've learned is I share it with somebody else. That, that's so, one of the best ways to learn is to teach for sure. It is, it is you're a teacher. So, you know, so, um, and that's been a, a, a hallmark of my personality just naturally ever since I was a kid, like mm -hmm. when I was in school and they would give us an assignment and I would teach my friends about it. And that made me feel, feel that much more confident that I knew what I was talking about. It, 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 it's a way to practice, to actively engage with what you've learned, right? Yeah. And so I started doing that very early. The, the local RIA that, that I was a part of, the Real Estate Investors Association, mm -hmm. uh, most major cities have these. Um, I, I would I volunteered to speak about topics. And I was still relatively new, but most people in these RIAs are, are absolute newbies. So mm -hmm. if you're two steps ahead, you're a genius. Um, and, and so I was practicing then right away I was practicing. Um, and I found that I, I, I really enjoyed doing that. And then before long, people started asking me, Hey, can you help me? And so I did the same thing. I was like, here's a book, write a three page essay. And somebody did. Mm -hmm. And, and so I started working with a young couple and they were, then you just tell that, that, that they had it and they were going to be amazing. And I actually ended up partnering with them for a while and doing a lot of, uh, deals together. You know, we, we would share resources and we would do deals, split deals and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that became something that I enjoyed as much, if not more than the real estate itself. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I knew that, that I, I definitely wanted to have some sort of, 
a community or mastermind that uh, helped me stay relevant mm -hmm. because I, I, I'm kind of a deal junkie and I love evaluating people's deals and giving um, my opinions on how to like what kind of chess move to make on that deal. Yeah. And and like it's, we're all like transaction engineers and we just love playing that game. And the way to do that was for me anyway, was to get in front of as many people as possible in the same room that had interesting businesses and I could help them and we could help each other. And so that's how, that's how the mastermind was started is, mm -hmm. was, was my way of, of creating a community for me to be able to share what I know and to kind of create that, 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 that greater experience when if you, me and three or four other people in a room together and we're talking in shop, yeah. we're gonna come up with a better idea than just me by myself. Right. Right. So your, your mastermind, is this a free thing? Is it a paid thing? How does it work? Uh, it is a paid mastermind. So the one that I uh, host it virtually and it's uh, like a monthly membership uh, concept. And yeah, we meet for once a week and it's, um, we, we, you know, like, Hey, what, what's the wins of the week and what, uh, what are you doing? Well, what problems do you have that we can help you with? And we go around the, around the room until we get everybody served. And sometimes I don't have the, the best or right answer based on the question, but somebody else in the room does. Yeah. I, I do serve as, I guess, the facilitator and the mentor. But now some of those people have been, the, been in that group as, as, as so long that I would say in many subjects that they're far um, have exceeded me in their business acumen. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm looking at some of your success stories on your website now. I'm going to read some off. Uh, one guy bought a 20-unit apartment complex someone did their first deal three apartments and a, and a store so some mixed use someone got a deal on facebook uh someone here is just talking about how knowledgeable you are and your ability to help them negotiate through things so you really can take you have the experience in taking someone that has like zero yep. experience and teach them how how to be successful yeah. And I, I like to pay it forward because a lot of people helped me along the way. Yeah. And, you know, there, I, I once read, I'm not sure where I read it, but there's this concept of uh, like the rule of thirds and you want to spend a third of your time with people who are not as far along the path as you. Mm -hmm. You want to spend a third with people who are in the same path as you mm -hmm. and then a third of the time with people who are further than the path. Of you. Oh, yeah. Right. So like you're getting an exposure to uh, uh, experience and knowledge set across the entire continuum of experience. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And if you're considering getting involved in real estate investing, you know, with the impossible to fail framework, I teach people, how do you find the right coach? How do you find the right person mm -hmm. to learn from? Because the first thing is you get the blueprint, you get the education. You have to get the education. As an entrepreneur, we don't have time not to get <laughs> the education. We got to figure it out ASAP because we're losing money and time every day that we don't. And so mm -hmm. number one, does the person have a successful track record of accomplishing the thing that you want to do? So yeah. if you want to say, well, I want to invest in real estate. Does Paul invest in real estate and is he really good at it? Yes. All right. And then number two, and this part's really important when you're talking about, do you really want to learn from someone is, do they have a successful track record of teaching other people how to do the same thing? And I'll say it before and I'll say it again, that being successful in something does not make you qualified to teach others how to do it. Right. I think that it makes you more qualified than someone that doesn't have those skills. But I've met many people that are experts and virtuosos in their craft that are the worst teachers ever. Yeah. <laughs> so finding someone that has the ability to teach someone proven and repeatable methods is really, really important, which, which you do. How do you coach someone when they're scared? 
investing in real estate is really scary, especially if mm -hmm. you come from, again, I'm sure a lot of your clients are folks that, that are still salaried and maybe they're looking to build some, some wealth and long-term income. But when someone's scared, they're scared to do something unfamiliar. It's familiar to you. It's not familiar to them. What are some things that you teach them to, or tell them to reframe their mindset to take action? One of the questions that I ask about reframing their mindset, and that's exactly what happened is reframing is the, the, the problem is when we're afraid is it's our body's defense mechanism to save us from something that we're, un we're uncomfortable with mm -hmm. and we react irrationally. Mm -hmm. And so if you try and get them out of their mind and the point uh, to, to the say, like, what would you say if this was your brother or this was your cousin or this was a good, your best friend mm -hmm. and they were in the same situation, what would your advice to them be? And sometimes that allows them to kind of just see themselves as not the victim yeah. as not this scared little fawn that can't figure anything out. Yeah. And then sometimes they're willing to hear an outside source. Uh, and that's, I, I think that's why this is a theory of mine. I think that's why that the, the mastermind format works so well. Mm -hmm. You hear the opinion from three or four different peers, oftentimes just the mentor, mm -hmm. uh, because sometimes when the, when uh, someone who knows what they're, what, what, how it's gone before. It's like, it's like when you're talking to your parents, you just can't hear advice from your parents sometimes because there's yeah. some sort of dynamic there and you just, you just turn it off mm -hmm. and you need to hear it from somebody else. Or like, it's like me and my wife, like I cannot tell my wife anything. Like she, she like, she'll, <laughs> she'll hear it from somebody else, her best friend, but you can't hear it from your spouse. Like yeah. there's just certain things that you just, that, that trigger you. Yeah. And I'm probably the same way with her. So Sometimes you, you need the input from a different source. Mm -hmm. And the, the problem with trying to solve your own problems alone is that you're in the bottle and you can't see the instructions from the inside. Like you need somebody mm -hmm. from the outside to look at you and say, oh, okay, I, this is very logical. This is very logical. I, I see the problem and, and you're afraid because of X, Y, Z, but that's not even a rational concern. The most likely concern is actually this. You're not even thinking about that. You know, yeah. you, you're, you're worried about, you know, getting sued and like the likelihood of getting sued is like one, one in a million. Right. Uh, your real concern should be making sure that your debt is set up correctly. Yes. <laughs> Things like that. Yeah. And so often, you know, when, when, when the average person is going through school, meaning like K-12 and then college, if they go to college, mm -hmm. you know, you go to public school because you have to. Yep. When, when it comes to college if your job requires a college degree these days and people go to college, it's because you need to learn a specialized skill set and you don't know how to do it. So you go somewhere to learn how to do it. And people, it's like, well, yeah, obviously I need a teacher. But for some reason, when it comes to entrepreneurship, there's this DIY, yeah. I don't want to pay for education. I don't need to. I'm smart. I can figure it out which just makes no sense at all. It makes no sense because like you said, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you should be worrying about or not worrying about. And maybe from, from the outside perspective, it makes sense for you to say, oh, this is my biggest concern. But when you talk to someone that's actually in it every day, they say, no, trust me, it's not. I understand why you think it is, but from a practical perspective, it's not. And this is what you should be focused on. And that's the benefit of paying for education, of having a coach, of having a mentor, of getting into Paul's mastermind if you want to get involved in real estate investing. Because as someone who's still in it every day, he can tell you, hey, here's what you actually need to be focusing on. One of the 
the, the, the concepts I talk about in the book, Impossible to Fail, is the concept of, of the four fears, where fear of failure and fear in mm. general is really subcategorized into four things. The fear of the unknown, fear of imperfection, fear of judgment, and fear of sacrifice. Fear of sacrifice, mm. meaning like fear of sacrificing the things it will take to be successful. Yeah. And that's something you and I were talking about right before we hit the record button is the grind. <laughs> the grind, the entrepreneur grind where I'll rise and grind. Yeah. I'm grinding it out. Let's go. And especially, I mean, the American dream is based off of the grind. It's founded exactly. in our, we will straight outwork you, right? That is mm -hmm. the American dream, the, the American work ethic. And there's something extremely admirable about that. And it, there is undoubtedly an aspect of grinding in anything you do. Yet, I think what most people think of as the grind has been largely, and I, I, I think you were alluding to this as well right before we, we started recording, is romanticized by social media where yeah. they talk, someone will talk about the grind in their Lamborghini. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or they'll talk about the grind, lighting a cigar with a hundred dollar bill or something, something silly like that. Sure. Whereas the grind is really like when you're up before the rest of the world or when it's three o'clock and the entrepreneur life just punched you in the tooth and yeah. you, you can't breathe and you feel like you're drowning and you have to keep going anyway. And you don't want to do what you're doing at all. And you're wondering, WTF did I do and why am I doing this? Like yeah. that, <laughs> that's the, grind. that's the real grind. That's the yeah. real grind. And what is your perspective on that in terms of, you know, how long is the grind forever? Am I supposed to hate the grind? I thought I'm supposed to love the grind. Like, what are your thoughts mm -hmm. on that? Well, I think you do need to fall in love with the process. Mm -hmm. So I think we get unnecessarily attached to the outcomes. Mm -hmm. And because we can't always control the outcomes, what we can control is the effort we put into it. Mm -hmm. And we should fall in love with the effort regardless of the outcome, which is a very difficult lesson to learn. Mm. And it's very difficult to get punched in the face by the market, by the forces that are just bigger than us that keep us from getting the thing that we thought we earned. Mm. It's like, oh, you know, uh, like a few, uh, a few, uh, uh, the, pan the pandemic, like that was not fair to anybody, right? It just, yeah. it happened. But there are going to be these external forces that are just bigger than all of us. And you have to settle into the reality of I'm worth it. I'm content. I'm happy, um, but I'm not complacent. Mm, that's so good. Right. So always be content, but never be complacent. Like yeah. fall in love with the struggle. Um, and, and that's what the grind is talking about. It's just like this, this urge to rise up and do the thing that is hard today for the likelihood of the long-term benefits. Yeah. Short-term sacrifices. Right. Short-term yeah. sacrifices for the likelihood of long-term benefits. Yeah. There is not a guarantee that you won't get the results that, that you're after, yeah. but you've significantly increased your chances. Absolutely. Right. And the real winning there is not in the achievement itself. It's in the becoming of the person that you aren't yet. Yeah. So Absolutely. it is becoming somebody, a different person. Mm -hmm. And once you become that different person. And so another way of saying is what got you here won't get you there. 
you have to change something about yourself. Mm -hmm. That's why you hear so many people talk about, you know, uh, the, the cold showers and the, 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 the plunges and the and 75 hard and all these, you know, mental and physical challenges because it creates mental toughness yep. in a way that, that uh, it's a muscle. It's, it's an exercise that you yep. can learn to, to tap into when things get tough. Yeah. I know for, as, as a bodybuilder, a competitive bodybuilder, one of the reasons I gravitated towards that is the discipline, the delayed gratification. You yeah. know, delayed gratification is 100% a muscle that can be developed. That's for some people, it might be easier than others, but delayed gratification, meaning working now, like farmers are experts in delayed gratification. You're, you, yeah. you, you plant your crop today, it's not done tomorrow. <laughs> no, you got to no. nurture that baby all year mm -hmm. long and hope you know, <laughs> that the gods will put favor on your crop, you know, like exactly the forces right. of nature will put favor on it. And there's still no guarantee, but the thing you can do to best guarantee your chances are to get the right education and to implement it properly. But one thing you said, which I really like, is the notion of fair or that mm. you think you deserve something or that you right. earn something. And one thing that I had to come to terms with, especially starting multiple businesses that are all very different from each other, hmm. is it's the same thing when I was bodybuilding and I was doing a lot of training and nutrition coaching, which I don't really do anymore, but I was doing a lot of it at mm -hmm. the time. And it would not be uncommon for someone to say, well, I've tried this, that, and the other, and it didn't work. How long did you try it? Four yeah. weeks. Like That's not a lot of time. Now, mm -hmm. when you're in something... Like, and I'll use an analogy again of like dieting or weight training or going to the gym or exercising. And I'll, I like using those analogies because universally most people have some type of experience with that. Yeah. Trying yeah. to lose weight, gain muscle or change how they look or whatever. And when you're in it and it's all you're thinking about and you're doing things all day that lead towards the goal. When I was competing, it's not like the it's only in the gym. No, it's like everything you eat. So when you're dieting, dieting not necessarily meaning in a caloric deficit, meaning you're trying to change the way you eat. Your, your nutrition. Right. Yeah. It's something you think about all the time. Yeah. And so when you spend your whole day thinking about everything you eat and then you go to the gym, even if you don't want to, it's exhausting. Like it's extremely mentally draining. And so mm -hmm. even if you just do that for a few months, even though that's not a lot of time, the it feels like a really long time because you've been in it. And so as an entrepreneur, that is multiplied a billion times because your whole, every instant of your waking hour is obsessed with your baby business and everything you're doing and generating leads and learning your craft. And, oh, I got this deal. Oh, it fell through. Oh, this big breakthrough happened. Never mind. And your highs and lows. And so even if you've been grinding for, let's say, six months, you might feel... Like, I deserve this. I've earned hmm. it. But the reality is, well, if you would have earned it, you would have it. You would have had it. it, it and, the, and the market or the world would respond by saying, yes, right. you have earned it. Here it is. Mm -hmm. And so the notion of, I mean, great things happen to bad people all the time. And bad things happen to great people all the time. There mm -hmm. is no fair in that, right? When it comes to entrepreneurship, yeah. it's, and sometimes you may think, really feel like I deserve, I've worked so hard. Yeah, you have. No one's arguing that you've worked hard, but, and maybe it's not that you need to work harder. Maybe it's just that you need to do the same things you're doing for longer. 
Right. You know, the overview of the three-part formula for success that I've illustrated in the book is massive action, relentless consistency, and time. Now that's once you get the blueprint Boom. and you're implementing it. So maybe yep. you don't need, maybe you need to take the same amount of action. Maybe you're being incredibly consistent. You just haven't given it long enough. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just need to do the same things for longer. When I first got my license as an agent, it took me seven months to get paid. What? And trust me, by month six, I really felt like I deserved to be paid, right? Yeah. But what if I would have quit? Hard, yeah. Right? What if I would have quit in month six instead of be right around the corner and three feet from gold in month seven? So mm-hmm. if you're really confident that you're doing the right thing and you feel like you've earned it, just it can be a hard pill to swallow to say, well, I guess I haven't earned it yet and to keep going. Steve Jobs talks about that, or talked about that all the time, how like you have to love what you're doing because <laughs> most sane people would stop <laughs> right. after a certain point. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I'm, I'm um, taken by, I see the, the pictures are, are, are the, are in, in the view here, I see your, your mm-hmm. trophies back there. Mm-hmm. And so you, you won some competitions. Mm-hmm. Um, the person who came in second or third, and probably in some cases you, that came in second and third in those competitions, did they really work that much less hard? Well, they, they were in, in incredible shape for the average person, right? Yep. But they just happened to not be the best that day. Yeah. And they were, and the, the person in second place in a bodybuilding competition is in, has worked hard, but they yep. didn't deserve the first place trophy that day because they didn't win. Does that yeah. mean they failed though? Um, right. Right. Like, I just, it might be again next year. Yeah. Um, and, and there, I mean, how many people, um, tried, tried to uh, compete with Arnold Schwarzenegger when he was in his prime and they're just, yeah. it's just like, like no one was going to win until he, until he decided to quit. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's one of the reasons I also gravitate towards entrepreneurship, bodybuilding and entrepreneurship are very similar. A lot of bodybuilders make great entrepreneurs yeah. because you have the discipline, you have the delayed gratification. But what, I remember one of my first bodybuilding coaches told me, you, you know, cause bodybuilding, just like entrepreneurship, it, it's an offense only sport, right? You only have control over yourself and you have no control over who else you're competing with in the market or on stage. And he would tell me, you know, and I would have no idea who's showing up to a contest. I would show up to some bodybuilding shows where I'm competing against dozens of other people. Those are the most fun, where the competition is the most stiff. I would have bodybuilding shows that I prepared for six months for, and I show up, there's like three people there. Like you have, so you just have no idea. And Hmm. no matter how many people are there, he's, he would say, you got to get up on stage. You got to look left and you got to look right. And you have to know that you worked harder than everybody else. Yeah, that's the only way you can be content with whatever happens, whether you get last or first or anything in between. That's the only way you can leave with your head held high. And my first competition, I I got last, last place. I mean, I I didn't look like I didn't belong up there. I looked solid up there. But, you know, I had been in the gym for five years and this other dude had been in the gym for 12 years. And it was like his 10th competition. And my tan's melting off because I didn't know how to tan properly. Like, there's so many things that go into it. But you have no control over any, the only thing you have control over are your own actions based on, you know, the education and input that you get. And if you're listening and you're, you're struggling, ask yourself, do I have the right direction? Do I have the right education? Do I have the right coach mentor blueprint? If you do, is it the massive action? Is it the relentless consistency or is it the time? 
are you doing enough actions? If you believe in your heart that you, that you are, are you being relentlessly consistent enough? Rain or shine, are you getting it done? If you are, then it's probably just time. And time is the kind of one X factor that we don't always have control over, which is why it can be extra frustrating. Mm-hmm. But if you have the faith in yourself and the faith in the person that you're learning from that they're telling you the right thing, the only option you have is to keep going. Because mm-hmm. for sure, if you stop, you're not going to get what you want. What's well, the only definition of failure, right? Is quitting. Like, like yeah. I said, it's impossible to fail. Like, That's right. Well, That's like right. The way, you, the way you can't <laughs> fail is don't quit. It's true. And failure what's is only interesting, failure if it's permanent. That's right. And what's interesting about business as compared to, say, bodybuilding, which we've been comparing here, is the results that you get from harder work and better results in bodybuilding are a diminishing returns. Yes. Whereas with uh, business, they're exponential returns. Yes. And over time, as you get better, your output and results get so much better. And I think so many people quit because they're still thinking about this linear exchange of value and time. And they're not thinking about what can happen in the next five or 10 years where you have exponential growth every single year, because exponential growth at first is not that impressive. Uh, I, I saw a crazy statistic the other day that said, if Warren Buffett were to have retired at 65, none of us would have ever known who he was. Wow. He was super wealthy. <laughs> Don't get yeah. me wrong. He was a multimillionaire, multi multimillionaire. But we, I mean, he, he would have just been another investor. Mm. But for the next 30 years after that, or, or 20, uh, 20 something years after that, he's compounded his results. And that's why we know who he is. That's incredible. I didn't know that. That's, that's epic. That's it, awesome. it changed it changed perspective. You're like, oh, yeah. so I just need to continue doing the right things, all the things you're teaching. Yeah. And this, this time component of it is just we've got to continue to put in the grind and the struggle to do the work. That's right. And if you have the right education and you implement it properly, it literally is impossible to fail as long as you don't stop. And that's what this show is all about, is teaching people how to succeed, how to know what to do next, which is always by asking someone with more experience than you. That's so important. I mean, there's there's video on my YouTube channel at robstein.tv, the importance of spending money on education. It's not the sexiest mm-hmm. title, but that's what the video is about. I mean, you, you have to know that you have someone that is advising you properly so that you always know what to do because it's always the confidence. It's always the 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 unsuredness of like, is this the right move that I'm making? Am I spending my time, money, resources sure. doing the right thing? And oftentimes it's the hesitation of not being sure if that's the right thing that you're doing that causes so much stress. So even when I was building my real estate company and I went, I transitioned from being a solo agent to a team leader, those Mm -hmm. are two totally different skills, skill sets. And I remember having a real heart to heart with my coach after like a few, you know, probably four to five months of running the team where I was like, dude, I don't know if this is going to work. Like I'm just hemorrhaging money. I, I, my time, my stress, Marriage is stress, like everything's stress. I'm stressed all day. I'm stressed all night. I don't know if I can keep doing this. And he said, dude, I'm telling you, I've had this conversation before with so many people. You're right around the corner. The only thing you can do is put your head down and keep going. I guarantee you within six months, your life's going to look dramatically different. Hmm. And I trust in him because I vet my coaches and I was like, okay, like, and I knew he wouldn't say that if it wasn't true. So I was like, he, he's got the experience. He believes I'm doing the right thing. Four months later, I had my first $100,000 month. Nice. 
What if I wouldn't have listened to him? What if I didn't have mm. someone to listen to? Right. And I just oh. would have quit. Right. What a bummer. <laughs> so, and not, yeah. not just monetarily more, more so because how many other lives have I been able to positively affect by teaching other agents now how to accomplish what they want to do and coach other people, which is what it's all about. So you got to know what you're doing. And if you want to be investing in real estate, then, then Paul is a great candidate. Uh, so Paul, as we start to wrap up, let's say someone does want to start investing in real estate. They want to learn, you know, they want to vet you they want to say, Hmm, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of real estate coaches out there. Is Paul the dude I want to learn from aside mm -hmm. from going to your website at pauldavidthompson.com? How else can they engage with you? Yeah, you can find me on TikTok and um, Instagram at um, at Paul David Thompson. So I, I have the curse of a common name. So I, I used all three of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just leave you with the last thought. Yeah, I think it's um, I've really enjoyed this conversation for thanks for having me. Likewise, on here, yeah, is what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Oh, are you asking me? No, I'm just asking the the hypothetical question to to the audience. Mm. What um, would you do if you do, knew if you, you knew fail? you couldn't fail? Oh, well, you would go work your ass off, right? Yeah, because you, your coach told you the same thing. Effectively, was hey, just put in six more months and you won't recognize where where you've been. Yeah, or, or, or you won't recognize the person you are. Yeah, and that's true for all of us. If you find the right um, teacher, you find the right system to follow, and you if you knew it you couldn't fail, how hard would you work? Mm. That is so epic. And I think a lot of people don't realize how in control they are. Yeah. You know, the reality is, and I'm sure you'll agree, right? But I mean, Paul, would you say that building your multi-million dollar portfolio, achieving financial freedom, true financial freedom through mm. real estate, was it harder than you thought it was going to be? Uh, no, it, it was easier, but it took longer than I thought took longer than you thought. It's always yeah. one of those things, right? Yeah. Anything of substance I've accomplished always took longer than I thought. The road was never how I thought it would be or should be, but it always worked out. And I think people always think it's supposed to be easier. It's supposed to happen sooner. But if you are following the right framework, it's literally impossible to fail. It's always going to happen. That's a, that's a great thought exercise. What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Because, because you can make it that, happen. That's that's exactly the story you're telling here. Is yep. it's impossible to fail. <laughs> Just don't don't quit. Yep. Find, find find the right framework and work your tail off and don't quit. Yeah. So I have one question for you, Paul. It's the last question I ask all my guests here. If you were to give someone some advice that's listening to this and they were to implement it, because remember, gang, knowledge without implementation is useless. Mm -hmm. So you got to implement. What advice would you give them that would make it impossible to fail? Four words, always invest in yourself. Like everything we do is the culmination of our skills, knowledge, and abilities. Mm -hmm. And if you invest in yourself, then you can then go and do the thing that you mm -hmm. did. And you, uh, investing in yourself could be hiring a coach. Yep. It could be reading the books. Yep. It could be doing the grind that it takes yep. to do, building the discipline to do the grind. Mm -hmm. Man, awesome. I think at some point I'm going to, I'm going to write a book called impossible to fail Two or something. Cause the information we're compiling from the guests at the end of these podcasts are just awesome. And that's a hundred percent right, man. Invest in yourself. No one can take that away from you. It's right. the one investment that always pays every time. Yep. Awesome. 
Paul, this has been a great session, man. I really appreciate you coming. Make sure to check out pauldavidthompson.com. Check out his mastermind. He's got a lot of great, uh, great free resources. He literally has a tab on his website called Free Resources. And it's so easy to just get some good information. But Paul is the genuine article. And if you want to learn about real estate investing, he is a great guy to learn from. So, Paul, thanks again for being here, man. I look forward to staying in touch, buddy. It's been an honor, buddy. Thanks.